to Tales of Panem, a Hunger Games podcast. My name is Claire, my pronouns are she, her, and I'm glad to have you all joining me this week. Make sure to check out my social media, which is at Tales of Panem on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok for updates, episode information, and more. I talked about Mockingjay Part 1 last week, so this week I will be covering Mockingjay Part 2. But as a reminder, next week I'll be doing my trilogy wrap-up episode where I'll be talking about any final thoughts I have on the first three books, and I will also be answering listener questions in that episode. So if you have any questions for me about the first three books or any of the movies, feel free to DM them to me on any of my social media, or you can email them to me at talesofpanam at gmail.com. Now let's get into the movie. This episode will follow the same format as last week's did, where I've split the film into five sections, and for each section I'll give a quick rundown of what happens, discuss any major book-to-movie differences, talk about anything else noteworthy within that section, and then give some fun facts and trivia about the actors, the filming process, etc. Finally, at the end of the episode, I'm going to talk briefly, briefly in quotes, about the deleted scenes from the movie. But let's just get right into it. Starting off with our first section, and this movie is once again a little bit longer than Mockingjay Part 1 was shorter. This is actually the longest of the four films. We'll get into that though. So this first section is going to cover everything at the beginning. So that is like when Prim goes to visit PETA during his recovery and then all of the stuff in District 2 where they're trying to infiltrate the nut and then where Katniss does the propo and eventually ends up getting shot. Um, Joanna comes to visit her in the hospital. Katniss does end up going to see Peta, and then Finnick and Annie's wedding is where we're ending here with when Katniss dances with Prim at the wedding. So cute. Um, now into the book to movie changes. I'm gonna be so real with you guys. There's a lot of changes, and this is why a lot of people think that Mockingjay wasn't a very successful adaptation of the book. Um, I'm not gonna get into that debate though because I do have my own thoughts about it. Um, but I do love this movie. Genuinely, I love this film a lot, and I think there are a lot of great things, and as usual, I'm not going to do every single book-to-movie change, but there are some pretty significant ones that you already know I have strong feelings about, so let's just jump into it. First of all, there is no... Deli Cartwright does not appear in the film. Um, Obviously, in the book, she's the one who gets sent in to visit PETA because they want someone who's, like, from home but doesn't have a direct connection to Katniss, so they pick her because they were, like, friends growing up, in the movie, they send Prim, which, like, I guess, like, I, I don't think that we really needed to bring in another character here just because, like, time and casting, whatever. However, the choice to send Prim is so fascinating because, like, you want someone who's not going to remind him about Katniss and set him off. Why would you send her literal sister? Like, you could have sent... And I know that, like, the problem that they run into in the book, too, is that most people that are still alive that PETA knows personally have some sort of connection to Katniss because most of District 12 is is dead. And so it's mostly people they knew, like, from their time in the games and stuff. But, like, Prim just feels such, like, I don't know. But anyway, the point is there's no Deli Cartwright. And he does end up getting upset anyway, so it doesn't matter. But you know what I mean. This is actually a change that I really wanted to talk about. Um, because I talked a bit about this when we were reading the book, that I actually love the way they kind of rewrote the dialogue for this scene. I think it's a fantastic scene in the movie. Um, so this is when they're in District 2, Gail has just proposed his plan for how they're going to, like, bomb around the sides of the nut and create these avalanches and, like, trap everyone inside. That whole plan. And Katniss is obviously upset. And they do have some disagreement about it in the book, but they changed the dialogue slightly, is what I was saying. And... And this scene in the movie, the specific dialogue that really, like, 
I love is, and I think is such a great addition, is when Gail is like, first of all, Gail's selling all the stuff. It's like everyone inside that mountain is helping the capital in some way, even indirectly. And if they have to die, I can live with that. And she's like, that's horrible. Uh, there, there are civilians in there. But then he says this line that's basically like, this is war, Katniss. Sometimes killing isn't personal. I figured if anyone knew that it was you. And she says back, I of all people know that it's always personal because the way he's looking at it is like, oh, you know that like when you were in the Hunger Games, you had to kill people. Like, you didn't have a choice. There's something personal about it. Like you just had to do it. That's what it took to survive. But she had to like know all those people, even in like the first games where she didn't necessarily know all of them personally. And she didn't even know some of their names, which actually made her feel worse because she was like, I just killed these people and I didn't even know their names. But she has to, like, see their face in the sky. And then, like, on the tour, she has to look at their families as she's talking about how she killed them. Like, it, it's so deeply personal. And, like, and, and her and Gail have both killed people at this point, yes. But there's a significant difference in, like, the way that he was doing that was, like, shooting people out of the sky. And she was, like, looking people in the eye and, like, shooting them. Like, there are differences obviously and also in the fact that like she was killing innocent children and he was like destroying capital bombers um and so they look at killing in a very different way and also part of that is just because of like who they are as people but a lot of it comes from Katniss's time in the games um and so obviously she knows that like it's deeply personal no matter what even if it's just even if you're destroying a whole mountain full of people you don't know any of them it's still personal and those are still real people because he's not looking at it like they're people he's looking at it like they're they're like opponents in some sort of game and well yes we are in the middle of a war and people are going to have to die this all goes back to the like there are still civilians in there and if there's a way to not have to kill those people we should really be doing that and he he doesn't care either way it's one of those other things of like and i'm gonna We'll be getting into Gail Hawthorne in a few weeks. Teaser. My next character episode is going to be on Gail. Sorry in advance. Um, and I will talk about all the, like, what his character actually means within a story about war um, and all of that. But I think that this scene, the way that it's done in the movie is so good. Moving along. Um, my God. Joanna Mason, I'm so sorry that you literally got, like, axed from this story she's barely there guys she's barely there and i'm not saying she was like the main character of the book but she was a pretty significant character and in the movie she does next to nothing however um obviously in the book there's that scene after she tries to pass the exam on the block and ends up back in the hospital um where katniss goes to see her and she's like swear to me that you'll kill him about president snow um so they kind of reworked that scene here and i do like the line they added for Joanna where she's like anybody can kill anybody Katniss even a president you just have to be willing to sacrifice yourself because Katniss's whole thing is like she's going to sacrifice herself to kill snow and eventually it turns into her sacrificing herself to kill coin and obviously she doesn't end up dying but she really thinks that she's going to be killed for that um I do like the conversation they have here a lot I just think that the book did Joanna Mason so much better and by better I mean she actually had like a story and an arc whatever whatever I said I wasn't gonna get into like too much of my personal thoughts and I, I really do love this movie guys like I know it it seems like I'm just saying that and then saying a bunch of negative stuff but like there are a billion things that I could say that I love about this movie I'm just 
focusing on the things that got changed. And a lot of them, I'm like, why did we do this? Um, A few smaller things that like in the long run aren't that big a deal. But personally, I'm like, no. Um, Peter doesn't decorate Finnick and Annie's wedding cake. Again, it's kind of a small thing. So like whatever, but also like it was such a huge step in his recovery and just like, oh, I just love that moment so much. Um, and also they <laughs> they cut out, this was kind of a win, honestly. They cut out the scene in the cafeteria where like, he was like, if you're not nice to her Finnick, I might try and steal her away from you. Ew, ew. The vibes in that scene are so rancid. And I know that's the point, but like, that's okay. I didn't need to see it. I didn't need to see it. We can, we can, we can live without. Okay, no, actually, though, I'm so mad about this last one because this one, I don't even care. All the arguments about, like, they didn't have time or this wouldn't have worked on screen or this was too dark or too violent. You cannot give me an argument for this last one that I want to hear, okay? It should have been in there. Um, During the scene where Katniss goes to visit PETA and she's, like, she when she doesn't want to go, like, the first time they see each other and they talk about, like, the bread and stuff. He doesn't say I must have loved you a lot. That was literally the saddest line in the entire book, probably the whole series. And he didn't say it in the movie. And I'm like, why did you change it? Because the way that they changed it in the movie is like, she, he's like, why did I throw you that bread? Like, why would I do something like that for you? And she's like, because you were kind and generous. And people said, you love me. And he says, and did people say, you love me? Just let him say I must have loved you a lot. Y'all, I'm mad about that still because like, Yes, it hurts so bad, but, like, it's such a good line, man. Okay, whatever, whatever. But, no, I literally, I will not hear a single argument against why that line should have been in the movie, because it should have, and I'm right. So, moving along. Um, and to our sort of, like, trivia stuff, um, it's my kind of sad one. Obviously, I'm sure most, if not all of us, are aware that Philip Seymour Hoffman died during the filming of this movie. Um... And so this is like the final film that he ever appeared in, especially because like he so they filmed both part one and two like kind of at the same time. Um, so he had filmed all but two of his scenes and then died before like this long before or like well before this movie even came out. Um, and I'll talk about the big scene that got changed because of that. But it was definitely like a big event that like I as a person who was a fan at the time like remember this very vividly um so that one's pretty sad in terms of what I was saying with like the running time of the film it ended up being closer to like it's like two hours like 16 minutes or something maybe a little longer than that whatever it doesn't matter um the point is that the original cut of the film the running time was two hours and 51 minutes. Girl, drop the original cut. I have to know what, like, 30 minutes of content you cut out of there. Please give it to me. Please give it to me. Um, Francis Lawrence, like, send that to my email, bro. Like, I will watch it, okay? Anyway. Um, also, uh, speaking of movie running times, Francis Lawrence was, like, I wanted, he said that Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes is under three hours, but longer than any of the other movies. And I'm like, now it better be two hours and 59 minutes, okay? Usually I'm like, can we stop making like three, three and a half hour movies because I don't have the attention span for that. However, Ballad is a long, long book. I just has started my, my redacted number reread because it's embarrassing how many times I've read this book. Um, 
given that it came out in 2020 to like take notes for when I start talking about it on this podcast and I was like wow so much more is happening because this book is so long it's the same number of chapters and sections but everything is so much longer um gonna be crazy to talk about but yeah so hopefully it's like two hours and 50 minutes I'm guessing it'll be closer to 245 but either way I'm afraid but but uh, but I'll hold my judgments until like I actually see it so because <laughs> I you know I love Francis Lawrence I think he's done an incredible job with these films I mean he literally directed Catching Fire like the greatest film of all time uh so I will keep my faith in him anyway on to the next section um this section starts with Katniss sneaking off to the Capitol, which if you recall in the book she didn't do that and we'll talk about it um <laughs> and then obviously like the formation of squad 451 everything with them like setting off for the capital and doing their little like propos where they pretend to fight or like activate pods whatever and then PETA shows up which is when Boggs is like coin wants you dead uh Boggs dies and all of the stuff with the like black tar like goo pod thing that gets activated all of that happens some of the rest of their squad dies or a few other ones die um and they're all like presumed dead and then snow and coin both give their like speeches about katniss's quote-unquote death hmm so what a book to movie changes um you might remember when i talked about this book and i was like man remember me in 2015 being like wow those training scenes are gonna be great on the big screen and then they weren't there yeah so katniss just like sneaks to the capitol I get it. It saves a lot of time. However, uh, if we had that original length of the film, two hours and 51 minutes, would have had plenty of time for these scenes. It didn't even need to be like all the stuff that happened there. It just it didn't be like something, please. Because again, this is where Joanna Mason had her moment and like these scenes were so good. Ugh, whatever, whatever. I'm like, I, like, oh my God, I'll stay mad about it for the rest of my life. Um, And also just in terms of like their squad members, sort of the like, timing and cause of some of their deaths kind of shifts around a bit because like obviously the reason Peta originally gets sent like is to replace the league sister that died but she dies later and whatever some of the deaths are shifted around but all the same people end up dying so uh trivia time so the circular apartment complex which is where they film the like black tar pod scene um is an actual location in France uh I personally would like to go there because that scene is really cool or like is really well done and I've seen people like post pictures at location I'm like wow I want to be there um but it is like you can go there and it'll look near identical to how it does in the film and then the actual name squad 451 this is not necessarily specific to the filming of the movie but whatever um is a reference to 451 degrees Fahrenheit which is the temperature at which paper burns. Obviously, there's also a famous book called Fahrenheit 451. I'm sure we're all familiar. Um, but it is the temperature that that paper burns at, which is like, oh, girl on fire, whatever. <laughs> but that's what that number is a reference to. Mm, I don't think I really have anything else for this section, so moving right along. Um, so this is when they decide they are going to go underground. Um, and obviously, while they're down there, they are attacked by the creepy, like, sewer mutations. Terrifying. Um, Finnick dies. Yeah, 
And then they go to Tigress's shop, hide out there. Katniss confesses to everyone that the whole, like, I was sent to kill Snow thing was a lie. And everyone's like, we know. And then they come up with their new plan to kill Snow, which is basically to, like, send Katniss and Gail in with all the refugees and try to get a shot at him. Uh, Book to movie changes. There is no mention of Darius and Lavinia, the two Avoxes that, like, Lavinia being the one that Katniss knew from outside District 12, and then Darius obviously being their friend who was a peacekeeper. Um, and then they end up, like, being tortured in the Capitol with PETA, and he, like, tells everyone about it while they're down underground. Um, that never comes up, because the two of them weren't really characters either. Like, Lavinia's technically kind of there in the background, but, like, it's never addressed, never talked about Darius, isn't it, ruin a character, so they obviously didn't come up. Also, I think this is kind of more of a last movie thing, but it just, like, doesn't come up in the movies at all is that Portia, Peter's stylist, and also his prep team was executed, and a lot of the other stylists and prep teams, but, like, specifically her. Because one thing that I always wish we got more of was, like, the relationship between the two of them. I know it'd be a little hard to do with everything being from Katniss's perspective, but it's something they could have added more to in the movies. Because we know that Cinna and Katniss were obviously very close, and Portia was very involved in, like, Cinna's work, too. So I think that her and Peter could have had a really close relationship that we just didn't know anything about and then her execution obviously on top of that would have added to all the stuff that he was going through anyway um Katniss when they're coming up with their plan to infiltrate Snow's mansion basically and like try to assassinate him her original plan in the book is to basically use herself as bait so like let herself be captured so he would make an appearance at her execution and then Gail could get a shot at him um but that's never a plan in the movie which I think is because they tried to kind of down on the like hotness really wanting to die for like a lot of this movie uh especially later on because it's obviously very heavy and i know they tried to kind of like lighten some stuff up lighten i use that word really loosely because like it's still really dark and this film especially is significantly darker than the others but um that was never the plan um also changed the plan because originally like in the book Cressida and Pollux kind of go out ahead and are like the guides and then Katniss and Gail follow behind them and then Peta would follow behind them to create like a diversion if it was necessary um and I'm going to talk about this next week actually because someone sent in a question about it and I was like oh I have things to say because Peta obviously ends up at the city circle and like gets severely burnt too but ooh, we'll talk about it I'm so excited um, but in the movie, they, like, stay back at Tigress's because that's when he's, like, Gail's, like, what if they start searching houses? And Peta's, like, okay, well, give me a nightlock pill then because I'm not letting myself get captured again. However, when he says his goodbye to Katniss in this scene, they added this line. Oh, so good. Um, where they hug each other goodbye and he says, if I see you again, it's going to be a different world. Which makes me cheer up every single time. <sighs> Because, like, I've talked about this before about, like, how PETA, Katniss can never really seem to see life after this war. Like, she has no concept of what that will look like. And PETA, like, could could see a idea of a better world, but then he got hijacked and then he sort of, like, lost that. And so now he's starting to see, like, that there's an actual hope for a future without President Snow. And, like, he wants her to see that. Oh, my God, that line's really good. Um, also in this section is the, like, stay with me always scene where they're like where he starts like freaking out and she kisses him and she's like she doesn't say um don't let him take you from me which is sad to me 
but they do still do this day with me always and I literally will never forget the experience of being in that movie theater that night and seeing that scene because everyone else there was also crazy insane because it was 12 a.m on the day of release um and so like I swear to god people almost died me included I'll never forget it and I'm just feeling so nostalgic at like the the emotions I experienced seeing that scene on screen for the first time anyway trivia time um so the like according to the cast the hardest scene to shoot was all the stuff down in the sewers because it took three whole weeks to shoot and they were like literally in actual sewers so it was like super hot super physically demanding super terrible and then this movie has the most visual effects out of all four movies not surprising they actually started working on like the effects for this film before Mockingjay Part 1 even came out because there's just so much to do. Next section is this whole they they leave for um Snow's mansion but of course while they're on the way the rebels attack uh which is of course when they drop the parachutes and Prim dies and then they take Katniss to Snow's mansion which is when she goes to his greenhouse and he's like I didn't drop those bombs coin did and then she basically confronts Gail about it and is like, bye, Gail. She she literally says goodbye, Gail, in the movie. Like, I'm not even being dramatic. Um, uh, best line in the film, when if we're being honest. I'm just kidding. Um, and then the the vote on the symbolic Hunger Games, my my Joker scene. And then obviously Snow's execution, aka Katniss Kills Coin. Um, the changes, this whole scene at City Circle where they're, like, approaching the mansion and everything's going crazy is somehow less crazy in the movie than it was in the book because in the book, I, like, I remember so vividly because there's, like, first of all, there's a pod that, like, the entire street, like, falls from below them and people are, like, falling down. Like, I think it's just the way it's written from Katniss's point of view is just, like, crazy. And in the movie, like, there's a lot going on, yes, but it doesn't have that same sense of, like, why am I who's just sitting here reading a book, like, why is my heart rate increasing? This is really stressful. Um, so sorry. Remember a couple weeks ago when we talked about the end of the book, when I was like, this is the one time I'll ever say anything bad about Hamish Abernathy because it's the one time he ever did anything that made me be like, stop. When he's like, what's the matter? More boy trouble to Katniss. And then they cut that out of the movie, which, like, not surprising to me at all. Like, it's such a minor scene. I didn't even expect them to keep it in. I just think it's so funny that I was like, image this is the one thing that i've ever been like mad at you for and then they cut it out thank you so much revisionist history i know that scene is like important to them and like i don't actually even hate that scene however thank you for cutting that because now i don't have to be upset every time that i think about it like i am with the book so this is a one time in my life i'll ever be grateful that they cut a scene that had Hamish abernathy in it because i Oh, that scene. He makes me so mad for that one moment. It's okay, though. I said this before. I'll say it again. I forgive him. He was going through a lot, as always, but that he shouldn't have said that. But it's okay. Now I can just pretend it didn't happen. I will be adhering to movie canon on this one, guys. And then also, I kind of mentioned this last week, too, but like Katniss's prep team, because obviously since Effie is here, the prep team is like not here. Like, they're not there when she's getting ready to kill Snow and all that stuff. Or to go to the execution. You know? No, let's talk about... Okay, for, oh, first of all, a little bit of trivia. Um, This isn't really trivia, actually. This is just, like, so so funny to me. 
in the first movie we see that we have those scenes with snow and seneca crane where they're like in the rose garden and they're like walking around and they're outside and then in this movie katniss has or snow has his like rose garden greenhouse behind the mansion and it's like inside the greenhouse and also in a different location so there are two options one it simply doesn't matter and they just use a different location true However, my personal opinion on the truth is that he just has, like, another rose garden just because he has to be obnoxious like that. Um, That's my personal theory on this matter. (laughs) Because I just think it's funnier. Or that he was bored in between the two movies and he, like, moved it. Whatever. The point is, it's just funny. Okay, now let's talk about the symbolic Hunger Games vote scene, because you knew I have to spend time on this one. Um, first of all, a bit of trivia for that one. In that scene in the background, you can see a bowl prop that's actually the bowl that they use to hold the Nightlock for when Seneca Crane gets, like, quote-unquote executed, where they lock him in the room with the, the bowl of Nightlock. That bowl is in there, so look for that one. Um, <laughs> but this actual scene... You know how I feel about this scene, so you know that if it was poorly executed, I would have words. However, I think this scene is really, really well done, partially because it it adheres so closely to the way it is in the book. You know I would have been murdering people if they changed Hamish's line from I'm with the Mocking Jade to something else, like I'm with Katniss or something like that, because I have so many thoughts about that line, as we're all aware. Um, So thank God they did this scene really well. However, the one detail thing that, like, only an insane person like me would notice and overthink is the music that's playing when Katniss looks over at Hamish and he looks back at her and they like make knowing eye contact and then he says I'm with the Mockingjay is the same theme that plays when they're on okay stay with me here in Catching Fire when they're on the victory tour okay and it's after the scene where they have the whole talk where she's like Snow threatened to kill me and all my friends and family if I don't say everything. And then Hamish is like, you're going to be fine. Just read what's on the cards. And they're on the victory tour. And these two people in the crowd do the, like, three-finger salute. And they get, like, dragged off by peacekeepers. And Katniss, like, pauses. And then she looks over at Hamish and he, like, nods at her. That's right there. Same music as this scene. Which I know what you're thinking. Why do you care? Let me tell you. Um, because I taught when I talked about this line, and I'll try to be brief because I know I've spent way too much time talking about this, and it's really probably not this deep. Um, but like I talked about how the re- like him saying I'm with the Mockingjay is because like she's about to make one last act as the Mockingjay when she could just decide to be Katniss now because obviously her and the Mockingjay have have become like one and the same, but also like being the Mockingjay always meant doing something for like the greater good and outside of yourself and beyond your own purpose and oftentimes making really difficult sacrifices in the name of like helping other people. And so that's what she thinks she's gonna be doing is like killing coin, sacrificing herself, and she'll probably either be like executed for it, ex- executed for it or like locked up, whatever she thinks gonna happen. Um and when he says, I'm with the Mockingjay, he's, like, acknowledging that, like, she's still taking on that role and she's not going to put it down until after Coin is dead. And in that scene on the Victory Tour, it's almost the opposite because she's agreeing to, like, stop being herself and be what the Capitol wants her to be. And so it's another instance of, like, 
she doesn't she has to play this role she has to play this part it's bigger than herself and she she doesn't really have a choice in the matter and she does that anyway i just think it's so and also both of those are such moments of like silent understanding between the two of them anyway i could talk at length about this but i just needed to point it out let's move on final section um so this one is starts with Katniss where she's like locked up while they're performing her trial or whatever and then Haymitch comes reads the letter from Plutarch um and then they go back to District 12 Buttercup ends up coming back Peta ends up coming back Paler is obviously elected as the next president of Panem and then there's like a fun little montage of like Katniss and Peta and they're like watching the rain it's so cute and then that's when they do when he's like you love me real or not real and she says real and then the epilogue with their kids so there are a lot of things that got removed from this section as well um first of all being her time where she's like locked up um is significantly shortened because a lot of stuff happened during that part in the book and not much really happens here there's all the stuff with her like morphling addiction in the book that doesn't happen and with her like trying to kill herself and um her singing and stuff like that all of that kind of gets cut out in terms of when she goes back to district 12 first of all greasy say is not there in the book her and her granddaughter would like come and see katniss and like help her prepare food and just like make sure she was being taken care of because haymage obviously wasn't doing it um and also dr aurelius is not in the movies at all he's like the the katniss's doctor in 13 who they're like he's like they're like oh you need to like call him on the phone every single day and then they like don't um <laughs> but he's not in the movies. Also, oh, this is so cute. Oh, actually, first of all, Hamish, they never mention Hamish's geese in the movie, which I think is really tragic and unfortunate. However, in the movie, it do- you kind of do get to think that Hamish has a bit of a happier ending because he like, there's that scene where he's like having dinner with them. And I know that like, the truth is that he still like, drank a lot and had a really difficult time. However, um, if you watch the movie and like, don't think about it too hard you're like oh they're just like a little family and he's fine so that's good also when pia comes back and katniss sees him she's like you came home which man if i don't start crying every single time as if i'm not already crying by this point in the movie but like it's so bad also they get this letter from annie which is so cute one of the picture of her and her kid that letter makes me sob because that's when she's like we owe it to ourselves and our children to like make the most out of this life or we owe it to the people we've lost and also like ourselves and our children to make the most out of this life i love her anyway um they also don't talk about the like memory book that they make of like all the people they've lost where haymitch is like here is 40 or not 40 oh my god sorry haymitch you're not that old (laughs) um guys haymitch actually isn't that old okay he's 40 in the first book Anyway, 23 years worth of tributes. <sighs> My goodness. Anyway, um, I do love that they kept obvious. Okay, the way that like the way that all the books end is really important to me. Like, ask me the last line of any book, and I'll tell you. Oh my god! One time. Okay, this is so off topic, but I was taking this like Hunger Games trivia quiz that was like extremely hard Hunger Games trivia, and I was like, I know everything about the Hunger Games, so let's go. And I actually did like really well. I think I even got pretty much everything right, except for this question. I'm still mad about it. It was like, what are the last, what are the last four words of the first book? And I was like, 
have to let go immediately because it's like dreading the moment where I will have to let go about her holding on to Peter's hand. And it was like wrong. The last four words of book one are end of book one. Be so serious right now. I know that technically the last words on that page are end of book one. But the fact that I was like, I know the last line of every book. And then that happened. Oh, I was mad. Oh, I was mad. I have like a witness. Like I I have someone who was there who can attest to this. But like it was so I was like yelling. I was like, as if you think you know more than me. Like, was it technically right? Yeah. But was I so proud of myself that I immediately knew the answer? Absolutely. Um, but anyway, the point is, and I love the like the last lines of this book, both before and in the epilogue. Obviously, the last line of the epilogue being there are much worse games to play. And also very important to me, the last line before the epilogue being just I tell him real. Um, which you know is important to me because I do have the word real tattooed on my arm. So because of the end of this book, because it's my favorite book ever. And I was like, I do need to have this on my body permanently. Um, So yeah, I am glad that they kept both of those being like the closing lines to the film. Now let's talk about something else extremely important that happens in this section that actually wasn't in the book. Um, And if it had been in the book, I would have been like, that's weird. But in the movie, I was like, this is the greatest thing ever happened to me. The Effie and Hamish kiss. Let's talk about it. When they're saying goodbye at the Capitol, he kissed her on the cheek and then they're like, then they kiss on the mouth. Um, so true. I think the fact that it's Woody Harrelson and Elizabeth Banks is like what makes it really good, especially when you know that that was unscripted. They just were like, what if we did this? Um, thank you so much. I owe it all to them. I should have saved the title Power of Elizabeth Banks for this episode because it goes back to what I was saying about Effie last week. But I love when people like are watching this film and they're like, oh, I just love that kiss. And I'm like, guess what? That was unscripted because a lot of people know that. But whenever there's someone who doesn't and I get to see their like live reaction to learning that because it always is insane. I still feel insane about it and I've known this for like years and years and years. So thank you so much for that amazing scene. Um, The scene obviously where Hamish reads Katniss the letter from Plutarch was obviously supposed to be like was originally supposed to be Philip Seymour Hoffman as Plutarch talking to Katniss. Uh, but this was one of the scenes that he hadn't filmed before he died. So they changed it to being a letter being read from Hamish. And it's similar to the dialogue in the book when they're like, even for district 12 and he says all this stuff to her on the hovercraft um but i do think it adds like a lot more emotional weight to that scene because you know like why he's not there to say it himself um jennifer lawrence's nephews played katniss and Peeta's kids in the epilogue I feel like that's a more widely known one but i still think it's cute also i think that she did actually like accidentally kind of spoil that um at a convention before the movie came out not that like if you read the book you didn't already know they had kids so it's just like a fun thing but I can just imagine being like I didn't read the novel and I didn't know they had kids at the end which is fun I can't even imagine like not having read the book before watching the movie and that's not me being like how could you not read the book but it's just like I feel like it'd be such a crazy experience to go into that movie not knowing what's gonna happen I'm really excited to see Ballad because I have some friends that haven't read the book and as we all know that book is literally crazy like my jaw was I my jaw was literally dropped like I'm not even joking I was like in shock for half of that book 
And so I'm really excited to see people's reactions to it who don't know what happens. Um, and then also in the epilogue, because it was actually filmed like several months, I think close to a year after the rest of the film. And Josh Hutcherson did wear a blonde wig for this one because he'd been dyeing his hair for the films. And as we all know, it wasn't great. I'm sorry, but the scene, the, the scene with the bread where he's like fully a brunette. Funny to me. So they did let him wear a wig for this one because he's like, there's like one scene we need to film and it's been months. I'm not dyeing my hair again. I'm just like, guys, maybe we should have just committed to the wig from the beginning. Oh my gosh. Anyway. Yeah. Thinking about when they cast Tom Blythe as um, Coriolanus Snow and everyone was like, oh god, the, we're gonna have to relive the like Josh Hutcherson blonde-ish hair thing. Um, so far it seems to be going better. I just think it's so funny. Um, okay, now we have to talk about deleted scenes. I don't have many to talk about, however there's one that like is literally makes me feel violent. A few smaller ones first. There is a scene. This is actually like from the book when they ended up putting it. Um, when they like break into that woman's apartment. Oh, I forgot to mention there's not a woman in the apartment and Katniss doesn't kill her. Like we know in the book when they break into the apartment and there's a woman there and she shoots her. Anyway, anyway. This is after they're like presumed dead and they're like hiding in that apartment. And this is when Masala is like, I lived in the capital and I lived in one of these units. Here's where the food is, here's where like we stash the good food. And someone says something about how, like, they were just, like, hoarding luxury food and we in the districts were starving to death. Yeah, the capital's terrible. Um, there's also a scene when they're in Tigress's basement where Candace gives Gail stitches. I don't care. So I'm sorry. She's like, this is gonna hurt. I don't have anything to numb the pain. And he's like, it'll be fine. Um, and then she's like, oh my god, I'm so sorry that this is hurting you. And I was like, this one couldn't care less that this got cut, honestly. It didn't really add much either, so whatever. The less scale, the better, is what I always say. Um, but now let's talk about what really matters. Cambridge Abernathy, who I barely talked about this week. That's not really true. I kind of did talk about him multiple times for a movie that he's really not in that much. Uh, but you know what? He could have been in it mo- more. Because my... I think I already said this before. My favorite... Barring the symbolic Hunger Games vote scene, because that's in its own category. My favorite Hamish and Katniss scene in this book is the one where... He calls her and he's like, why are you treating PETA so terribly? This one, they're in the Capitol and he's just showed up and she's being like kind of rude to him. And then Hamish calls her and is like, girl, you need to chill. Like, this is not his fault. He's trying his best. And she's like, I'm not being mean to him. And he's like, yes, you are. You're pushing him away. You're shutting him out. You're being so cold to him. Like, like, and this one, he says that like, I think you need to flip the scenario in your head. If you'd been taken by the Capitol and hijacked and tried to kill PETA, is this the way that he would be treating you? Which he also says in this deleted scene, the dialogue is like almost word for word from the book. And I'm not just saying I want the scene because I want more Hamish. That is a factor. Absolutely. Um, And this is also where he's like, we made a deal to try to save him. Remember? Um, But the reason why I think it needed to be kept in is because it's the turning point of Katniss's relationship with PETA in this book. Because up to that point, she has been really like pushing him away, shutting him out, being being rude to him, uh, like punishing him almost for things that he he can't control, um, which is what Hamish tells her. And then after this conversation, she's like, he's right. I need to start make, like making an effort. And that's when they have the whole like your favorite color is green conversation and stuff like that. So it was literally the turning point of their entire relationship in terms of like how like post hijacking and it's all thanks to him and Jabernathy um and then they cut the scene 
It was so close. It's literally right there. It's literally on YouTube. I, I Sometimes I just go watch it when I need to, like, be upset. Like, I'll be like, oh, time to be mad that this got cut again. God, they loved cutting him into cut the scene. This is, like, in the last movie when they cut the scene. It was like, he's not dead yet. Oh, my God. Why do they hate me and Hamish Abernathy so bad? They cut his whole games from Catching Fire, man. It's so hard to be a Hamish Abernathy fan under these conditions. It's so difficult, truly. It's hard to be a Hamish Abernathy fan all the time, actually, because his life is so sad anyway. Um, So it makes me sad all the time. However, it's even harder when they take away his moments. Also, because he was like, I said this already. He wasn't in this film that much. It almost makes up for it that it has the symbolic boat in the I'm with the Mockingjay, but not quite. It would have made up for it if they had put this scene in. Thanks for joining me this week on Tales of Panem. Next week, I'm going to be doing a wrap-up episode for my final thoughts on the entire trilogy before I start on Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. And again, I am going to be answering listener questions, so you can DM those to me on any social media or send them to my email, which is talesofpanem at gmail.com. Feel free to send me questions whenever, anyway, or any topics you'd like me to cover, too. If you'd like to leave a review of the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, it would be very appreciated. Thanks again for listening, and I'll be back next week. Thank you.